Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 22nd, 2018. Today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 10, and we're at page 143, the third paragraph, and we'll be reading through four paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Renee A., for the 12 traditions, Esther F., and reading the text are Craig F., Marie J., and Martha Z. The reference number for Sunday, uh, the Peculiar Mental Twist, October 21st, 2018, is 12,079. That's 12,079, and it was re-recorded for an uninterrupted recording. I would encourage you to listen to it. OA Preamble. O Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Renee A. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Renee A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Have a good day. I pass. Thank you, Renee. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning. This is Esther F., a recover compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service on my path. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 143, the third paragraph, um, reading four paragraphs uh, to return to the subject ending in use of the book alone. Um, And comments will be on all four paragraphs, and I will ask Craig F. to begin reading. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. This is Craig F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. To return to the subject matter of this book, it contains full suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. To you, some of the ideas which it contains are novel. Uh, Perhaps you're not quite in sympathy with the approach we suggest. By no means do we offer it as the last word on the subject, but so far as we are concerned, it has worked with us. After all, you are not looking for results Are you not looking for results rather than methods? Whether your employee likes it or not, 
He will learn the grim truth about alcoholism. This won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy. We suggest you draw the book to the attention of the doctor, who is to attend your patient during treatment. If the book is read the moment the patient is able, while acutely depressed, realization of his condition may come to him. We hope the doctor will tell the patient the truth about his condition. Whatever, whatever that happens to be, when the man is presented with this volume, it is best that no one telling he must, he must abide by its suggestions. The man must decide for himself. You're betting, of course, that your uh, changed attitude plus the contents of this book will turn the trick. In some cases it will, and in others it may not. But we think that if you per persevere, the percentage of success will gratify you. As our work spreads and our numbers increase, we hope your employees may be put in personal contact with some of us. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by use of the book alone. Okay. Um, the first thing that strikes me about this reading is that uh, uh, is the humility, uh, the ability to say, we may not be the only solution. We not be, may not be the last word, uh, but it's working among us, so here it is. Uh, and, you know, to not uh, be oh, evangelical about it, to not say this is the only path that uh, we know that works, uh, even though cures to alcoholism were rare before uh, AA came along and before the book came along. They were still able to say uh, that uh, we don't have the only treatment, but we have one that works. And the other thing that strikes me about this is that uh, we're sure a great deal can be accomplished by use of the book alone. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, I wasn't too hard-headed to uh, ever have got, gotten this uh, program uh, just by use of the book alone without somebody to help me uh, to help illuminate the uh, the path uh, you know uh, to to guide me along the way and point things out to me and and thank God we have that today you know thank god i I had that available to me and i I wasn't somewhere where I just had to use the book alone these these uh some of these early people. That that was the that was the best they got. Somebody handed them a book and a doctor uh, telling them they were hopeless. Uh, you know that uh, they they didn't have this this wonderful fellowship that uh, uh, grows up around us that can that can help to guide us, and then we can see how it's worked in others, and we can see that the uh, uh, we can we can hear. We don't have to make mis all the mistakes because somebody said can say I, I I did that this way and here was the result I didn't get and I I can uh, I can learn from from listening to others and uh, if I don't have enough people around me at home I mean it's even better than that today if I don't have enough people around me at home I can reach out on these telephone calls I can go on the internet and listen to uh, tapes of uh, people that have expanded on this book and have expanded on the wisdom and knowledge that they've gained and 
and uh, some really great things. I mean, we have a wonderful technological age that that uh, is available to help us to grow and and to learn. Uh, and you know, the other thing down into the heart of it is uh, if the patient, while acutely depressed, uh, if he reads this book, re, uh, realization of his condition may come to him. You know. Uh, that's a time. All right, that's a that's a thought that can be expanded on. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Okay, um, so now we are started on the bottom of page one forty three, read through to four paragraphs, ending at use of the book alone on page one forty four. Who would like to share? Lisa Katie B G from Boston. Kim okay, G. Lisa B. Katie G. Kim G. This is Mary, Mary Jay. Jay. Larry, Mary J. Is that what you said? Marie J. Marie J. And Leia. And Leia, which Leia? Leia S. Okay. Okay, that's a good little group. Um, okay, we have Lisa B, Katie G, Kim G, Larry K, Marie J, and Leia S. Uh, go ahead, please, Lisa B. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And this is such a powerful reading. Um, and I love the suggestions that we've been getting, you know, over the past few days of reading this chapter of how to apply it to myself, how to apply it with working with others. And when it talks about learning a grim truth about alcoholism, um, I thought, I, I didn't know that I thought this, but I realized in going through the work, it, it came up. I finally was able to admit it to myself and then ultimately admit it to my big book sponsor. I really thought that you guys were going to just teach me how to eat like a gentleman. But I didn't know that that's what I thought. You know, I All of a sudden it occurred to me that this means being done for good and all. You know, And um, it wasn't just like a quick fix to take away some of the pain and problems that I was being confronted with because of this illness, but that this is really um, a commitment to have a changed experience, that the food was just the, the, the um, it was the solution for me. That's what I used. And that it's really about having that psychic change. So the grim truth of my alcoholism, my compulsive overeating is that it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. And, that came through going through this book and reading, but also having my guide share with me. You know, I identified in so much with her. She would share about her experiences with the food, but yet I heard freedom and happiness and contentment and neutrality in her voice. And I knew that something had happened to her. And then it says, we suggest you draw the book to the attention um, okay, so if the patient is acutely depressed, yes, like I need to be in a lot of pain. But what I see sometimes in working with others is that once that pain goes away and they start to feel better, they think, you know, maybe I'm just making too much of this. And then that desperation goes away, you know, and that, that's, that can be a problem. But it's telling me that some, is, some are going to get it and some are not. And that helps me. And I need to work with others because I need to hear what I'm sharing with them because it reminds me. And then it talks about in some cases, okay, I just talked about that. Um, as our work spreads and our numbers increase, I love reading the forwards. And in the forward to the second edition, it talks about that mushrooming process 
because of the use of literature in this book. And that's really what happened for me. It wasn't about my sponsor's opinion or speculation. It was through getting into this book and studying. But I had to see clearly that I'm dying, desperate, and doomed. But I didn't actually see that until I was in the work, you know, doing the work and reading the steps and seeing that, wow, this this is not just about learning how to eat like a gentleman, that it's about diving into that spiritual experience through the steps. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Katie G, you're up, followed by Kim G. Good morning, KDF. Good morning, everyone. This is KDG Recovered in Boston. So many good things. Yeah, I mean, when I'm not acutely depressed, <laughs> I don't look at anything. I would love to tell you that I am motivated by things other than pain, but I'm a hard nut to crack. And until things were really, really dark with the food, did I come crawling to the realization that Overeaters Anonymous might help me. And to be honest, that's the way it is with my character defects. Again, love to tell you it's different. Truth is, until I have a lot of people telling me, you know, what's going on with you, KDG, I'm not particularly motivated. And okay, so it says, um, you know, no one, no one tell him he must by, abide by its suggestions. The man must decide for himself. Absolutely. I, I can't, I cannot tell you when people lecture and moralize, I, I'm like, la, 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 I am not listening to you like a little girl, right? But what happens to me is when I'm in enough pain, I, I can hear a message of depth and weight from others, <clears throat> and, and I'm motivated to do what they do. Um, and, you know, there are no musts in our, our Overeaters Anonymous Fellowship. The only requirement for eating, for membership is a desire to stop eating. However, what my book teaches me is that in order to be recovered, and somebody else can quote this, I don't know, there might be 103 musts. You guys tell me if I'm wrong, but there are a lot of musts in order to get to a recovered state of mind and body. And what does that tell me? Is that use of this book alone has directions <clears throat> for me to live my entire life. And it starts with we find we cannot safely use our alcoholic foods in any form at all, right? It starts with... Um, taking my compulsive overeating illness, my allergy of the body, my obsession of the mind, and applying it to the dock up, right? Learning my allergy. What is my allergy? And what does it mean if I cannot safely use it in any form at all? What is that across the board? And, um, and then going through. And then, thank you, God, by the time we get to step 11, what does it do? It coaches me. It's like, KDG, by the time you retire at night, here's what you do. Get up in the morning, here's what you do. When you're agitated, here's what you do. Minute, you know, whatever, here's what you do. It coaches me along, um, <clears throat> you know, all the time. And I'm, and I'm so grateful for that. And I, I, in a state of recovered mind and body, like I have listened to people tell me what to do and lecture and moralize around my character defects. And I've tried to make that be enough. And it's not. You know, I have to continue to go to God, continue to ask to be changed, and, and ask God, God, please change me. How, how can we change this today? Because no amount of somebody telling me, if you do that again, you're going you're gonna to die, is ever going to help me. You know, the change must come from within. So God willing, I'm going to do it another 24 hours shoulder to shoulder with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Kim G., you're up, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. 
I'm so glad Craig brought up that word humility because I, I really see that in here too. So the sentence, by no means do we offer it as the last word on the subject, but so far as we are concerned, it has worked for us. After all, are you not looking for results rather than methods? And uh, you know, I think of that line on page 164, I cannot, we cannot transmit something we do not have. And, you know, I don't believe that my God is, is contained in only in these first 164 pages. But what happens is my experience is contained in this 164 pages, which is why I can only transmit this. And I have to accept that with humility. You know, there are other spiritual paths. You know, conventional diaphragms, surgery, you know, treatment centers, they might work for other people, but I can't transmit that because it didn't work for me. You know, we have other wonderful literature in Overeaters Anonymous, and no way Trump saw it, but it's a great thing about this new workbook. But it didn't work for me, therefore I can't transmit it. Even among this big book people, I hear all these arguments about, you know, well, this method doesn't work, and this one, you know, it's too fast if you do it in one month, and it's too slow if you do it in six months. I have to be humble enough to say, you know, I can tell you what works for me and the, and the way I bring people through, and if that doesn't work for you, let me tell you some people who work a big book this way. Let me tell you some people in my meeting that use that new workbook. Because I'm, I'm more concerned about results than proving that I'm right. And I always ask people, let me know how it's great. You know, it, that, you know I remember, I'm going to say that, but the last thing I want to say is if the book is read, the moment the patient is able, while acutely depressed, realization of his condition may come to him. And this, to me, sometimes conflicts with what I hear in the rooms. You know, just, you know, just go to six meetings and just feel comfortable. You know, get abstinent, and when you're abstinent for three or four weeks, call me. There's a, there's an, a group that um, I heard of in, in the Northeast that says you have to be abstinent for seven years before you work the steps. I mean, that's insane. You know, that's why I hear in AA, you know, a lot of my friends, they don't wait till people are out of rehab. They go see them while they're in rehab. Why? Because what are you most willing? When was I most willing to listen to people when I was coming off a run? That's one of the reasons I love my home group. We have a step one discussion right after the meeting because people are binging on Saturday night. We talk to them at 9 a.m. in our regular meeting, and then we grab them at 10, at 10 a.m. when the meeting is over. So, you know, think about it. What are you most willing? And if that's who are recovered people, our friend of mine says that she is divinely inconvenienced on a daily basis. As a recovered woman, am I willing to inconvenience myself? Because when I see someone that is desperate and doomed and wants help, Am I willing to inconvenience myself to hit them and to help them when they're most willing? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Marie J. Larry, star one. I'm sorry, Katie. <laughs> Can you okay, hear me now? You there you oh, are. thanks yes. so much. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the um, yeah, love what was said by everybody. That, you know, and I'm going to drill down to the man must decide himself. You know, my experience, my personal experience is at the core. Yes, these are merely suggestions. And they were designed as suggestions because the prevailing thought by our founders was that no alcoholic liked to be told what they must do. And I was one of those people. I, I didn't tell you, don't, don't come in here telling me what I must do. Yet, you know, reflecting back, there were some things I must do, but I had to decide that myself. 
we have no monopoly and yet you know my experience tells me that this was the only thing that worked for me and i tell people with compassion and love try it try try your other ideas i don't say that sarcastically i hope it doesn't come off sarcastically i mean it try you know you want to try different things i tried lots of different things see if it works maybe in the process see some of them are not dying but the ones that are dying like soon they don't have a lot of time they may die in the in the process of researching i've seen it happen it does happen so i have to acknowledge that what i wanted was sustainable change an effective spiritual awakening not just a spiritual awakening but an effective one that was sustainable and that i had to be done searching for shortcuts for me for me if you're looking for shortcuts maybe they'll work for you maybe you're not alcoholic maybe you're not a true compulsive reader and then they may work for you i have found personally nothing that has worked for me except this this process see for me God either is or God isn't. If God isn't, I don't need to worry about it. If God is, maybe there's a process. Am I so prideful that I can't see there may be a process by which I can do some work to experience some change? If God is, then perhaps I can trust this process that continues to change so many, continues to change so many. And none of us, very few of us, I didn't get this right away, because not that it didn't work, not that it wouldn't have worked right away, maybe it would have, but I wasn't willing to follow the steps precisely, I wasn't willing to put the food down precisely, and thus I didn't experience a fundamental shift internally as to who I was. Today I can say I've done that, and if it's available to me, well, why in the world wouldn't it be available to you? Am I so special? Well, you know the answer to that, I'm not. I've seen people come from the scrap heap of life, I'm one of them, and experience a change. Not a perfect change, but a change where um, one of the things that happens is we, the um, desire to binge eat is removed, contingent on my fit spiritual condition. So very grateful for this process. With that, Katie, I'll pass. Thanks for your service. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Marie J., your turn, followed by Leah S. Can you hear me, Katie? Yes, I can. Thanks. Hi, this is Marie J. and I'm recovered in Colorado. You know, um, as, as an employer and as sponsors, we want people to recover. But just as several before me have so eloquently quoted, no one tells him, no one can tell him he has to abide by these suggestions. He must decide for himself. And it may or may not work. We want people to recover, but it may or may not work. And trying to force the situation will unlikely work at all. We each have to make this decision for ourselves. And if I can, uh, if I think that at any moment I'm going to get over this and have control of the ability to manage my food at some future date, then, then that's only going to be submission and not surrender. And submission is temporary. And I always think that I'm going to be in charge again. So I have to get to surrender. I have to get from my head where my disease lives and wants to run the show to my heart where I got to hit bottom and realize my brokenness and the the hopelessness of my ever being in control again. And as employers, we can 
not ever get someone recovered, but we can offer this book. And this allows someone to hear the stories and the experience and the strength and the hope of another person so or multiple people, 100 people, so they can make their own connection to their own brokenness. And as sponsors, we can take it even a step further because we can go through this book with someone. But we're always not going to be in charge of their decision. And I think that that's what we're reading here. We can help people get connected to this idea of surrender versus submitting to what this has to say through getting to this heart level connection. But no one can make a decision that isn't ready to make a decision. Everybody has to hit their own bottom. Taking this volume and sharing it with someone is a great start, but it only plants the seed. But also, as I know, once the seed was planted, it's hard to continue the addictive behavior with any kind of reckless abandon. It's always there in the back of my head that I can relapse. And it may take, or I can recover, and it may take some relapse. And returning to this several times, the book or the book with a sponsor, which of course is the best way to, to do it because we then have someone to share with on that heart level connection of, yeah, I've been there too. I have gone through this. But I always had the idea that I could be in charge once again. You know, at some point I'm going to be able to get a grip and get control on this. And so it wasn't until I relapsed and had to come back to the book and had to get taken through with another sponsor before I was able to see the gravity of my problem Time. and finally get that spiritual answer to this whole problem. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Marie J. Leah S., it's your turn. Thank you, Katie. Thank you very much. So um what i what i'm getting from this is um the man must decide for himself everyone has to concede to their innermost self that this is the program that is right for me but how do you get that usually when someone goes out to buy a book you usually read the first you know the the first introduction of what what they're going to say what they're not going to say so right there in the preface they're telling you in the very first paragraph how many books were printed right away and why were they printed my goodness why because so many people were attracted to this program and then um uh all these suggestions um you know and 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 all these um, uh, um, um, things that I am doing and that that might be able to help you, um, these are all to be told to the person when they're acutely depressed and then realization of his condition may come to him. Well, you know what? I had a sister and she was um, she was a little bit overweight and um, at one point in her life, very young in her life, her fat was never digested. It went immediately to her legs. Everything that she ate was in her legs, and she suffered from that. It was a very unusual condition. It was really the truth. It was. It was. They didn't have a name for it. They called it elephant legs because. Her legs were so out of shape. And this is all because of overeating. And her body wasn't so bad. 
but it was it, it you know it was what it was so this disease is a slow killer it really is a slow killer and um yes she did pass away when she was very young um what 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 the others have to see is our example my own example and that that is that is the only thing that can make them understand and want this program themselves. And thank you. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, um, Leah S. Okay, now um, if you've just joined us in the last few minutes, we started on page 143 at the bottom to return to the subject matter of this book, read through four paragraphs ending the bottom of 144 um, by the use of the book alone. Who else would like to share? Russ M. Barbara. Barbara E. Russ M. Barbara E. Melissa, Melissa C. Melissa C. Kiara. Lynn S. Kiara. Lynn S. Sandy S. Sandy S. Okay, let's go with that group. Um, Russ M., Barbara E., Melissa C., Kiara, Lynn S., and Sandy S. Go ahead, please, Russ M. Morning, Katie. Russ M. Good morning. Cover compulsive reader outside of Philly. So, <laughs> in typical Russ fashion, I just forgot my uh, my points, but the thing about uh, everybody drilling down at you, like you can't force people, you know, uh, that's it. That's there. It is that uh, you know when I was eating and overeating and binging in front of people. You know, I never hit it. You know, I couldn't let my father say, "Yo, you got to slow down, boy." Yo, you know, you got you know, you could eat for three people there, and I didn't care. Right? Um, you're getting fat. You need to, you know, eat, eat a little less, move a little more. Right, that did nothing for me. That did nothing for me. And you know, to his credit, my boss never really said anything to me to me about it. When I was uh, I was at my at my worst, uh, and I couldn't receive it anyway. I could never receive it. I wasn't broken enough. So until I, uh, you know, I was crushed and destroyed. You know, pretty beat up. That's when I. Uh, that's when I could receive it and apply it because I had, you know, I had tried everything else. Like everybody else says here, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm losing my train of thought. I must have had too many concussions these days. But, uh, um, oh, about the book, the book itself, you know, as you get through the steps and all that, the one underlying theme for me, for Russell, is that it's service. It's service, you know, going through the steps, you know, you're kind of serving yourself, you know, you're, you're, you're helping yourself, you know, uh, you're making up, you're serving others by making amends, um, and, uh, trying to change your, you're serving your family when you, and, and the people you deal with when you're trying to change your de- character, get rid of your character defects. And then when we get into the 12th step, you're serving others and it's self-sacrifice. And it's funny, you know, all those years I served myself, literally, I served myself food, you know, uh, I served myself uh, with uh, 
your life because I wanted to take the will over. Now it's like a total transformation. But I couldn't get there until I was in, in, in death, like, you know, on, on the earth, living in death. And I was crushed and broken. And uh, it's about, like, keeping your mouth shut and living this program, which I have. Obviously, anybody knows me knows I have a hard time doing that. But I'm I'm trying, you know. So that's what I wanted to share. I'm sorry that I was all over the place. I've been having a little bit of short-term memory loss. But... You know, I never, I never forget where I was. So, thanks to you guys, I love you. Have a, have a, have a, have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. Thank you for your share. And Barbara E, you're up, followed by Melissa C. Uh, good morning. May I be heard at this point? Yes. Oh, great. Wasn't sure. Well, first of all, I want to thank the service board for everything they do on our behalf. Some days are diamonds and some days are stones, but they handle everything with ease and with goodwill. Uh, For me, as I was thinking about it, the hardest thing I had to accept was step two, really believing that there was a higher power that was not myself, and step three, that I could let that higher power work in my behalf. And step seven, turning my character defects at the impulses to the opposite, resentment to acceptance from self-centeredness to other-centeredness. No one could do it for me. And the same is true as has been stated in the book. It's up to the sponsee, not up to me. And I did have to hit my low point, my absolute low point, before I was willing to accept the possibility that the 12 steps and the book could work in my life because I did think it was all about losing weight and getting thin. And I could not have read this book and gotten what I needed to without a a guide to guide me through the swamp. And yes, the face-to-face meetings the phone visits across the world and the internet. I had to do what I had to do. And for me, again for me, I did not always come closer to God by my successes, but also by better understanding from my failures. And this has been the essence of my individual spiritual experience. I discovered that I needed guidance throughout my life And I had to stop making demands upon God. He is not a short order cook. He's not my weight server. I had to pray and ask that God place me in the best place of understanding. And I have to do it every day today. And for me, again, there's a direct link between prayer and meditation. And all together, they fit a beautiful foundation for life. Some days, as I said before, are diamonds for me, and some are stones, and some are just cubic zirconia. But I'm not going to give up because my character liabilities were toxic, carbon monoxide, giving off gases that would kill me and everyone in my orbit. So I'll keep on trudging this road with everyone here. And I think Martin Luther King said it's beautifully. Life's most persistent and urgent question 
is what are we doing for others? And when I work with others, I get so much joy. Thank you so much, everyone. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Kiara. And if you could give us your initial, Kiara, when it's your turn. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And thank thank you so much for your service, Katie. Um, You know, I I remember reading a long time ago um, in some of the OE literature um, about, like, King Baby, you know, and that, um, like, we've never, you know, I used food to... um, to deal with everything, and so I never grew up. Like, I never really learned how to deal with anything, and, yeah, so I'm like a a rebellious teenager, you know, and I've got one of those in my life, and it's, you know, when you see it in action, don't tell me what to do. Like, when clearly people around you have experience and strength and hope and some and love and best interest in mind for you, and still you don't want to be told what to do. And and that was me. You know, I see it in someone else, but God, that was me. And so I would go to meetings clearly needing help and, and wanting help, but not really wanting help, not wanting to surrender. And so I would shop around. You know, I would look for someone um I don't think I looked for people who had what I wanted. I think I looked for people who were going to let me get away with something, you know, and um, and some of those people, um, I, boy, I owed amends to because I, I manipulated them, you know, and they're, they really cared about me. And so I, you know, um, <laughs> the methods, you know, I, I went for people that, that looked like they were doing a soft method. And then, you know, the, the beautiful, wonderful gift is depression, you know, when things get horrendous um, and you don't really think that when you're in it. But, you know, for me, um, yeah, I reached a point where it was brutal. And then I finally, you know, came face to face in a person who truly had what I wanted and who was very clear about her methodology, you know, and at that point, I, I didn't care. I was like, okay, just, I'll do it, you know. And so um, when I work with people, when I help people, that really is, I I do have some non-negotiables only because I only know what worked for me. And that is the only thing I can offer. You know, I can't offer um, another way, although there are more than one way, I would imagine, to work this program of recovery. I only know one. and, um, And that's all I have to offer. You know, and, and that's and I happily offer it because it worked for me with with lots of love. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, now we have Kiara followed by Lynn S. Hi, this is Kiara VP, compulsive overeater in the UK. I'm so grateful for the service all of you for your shares and for being able to participate today. I'm so grateful also for the reading. It um, it really drove home the idea that I'm not alone and how this fellowship has grown, and it has grown because it works. And um, the other message I could really hear is that it's not up to me to force recovery onto other people. 
and that this is a, a solution that has worked for me that may not have worked for other people or may not work for other people. And um, I can really hear the humility in that. And for me, I'm, I need other people. I recently heard someone share um, goats with skin, and I thought that's exactly how, how, I, how I see it and experience it. I need those guides to take me through the book, through the 12 steps. Um, left to my own devices, I, I stray from the path of recovery. And for me, um, to be in the food, to be in self-will, to be in my character defects is, is a kind of death. Um, I stop being of service to anyone. I stop being of service to OA, to fellows, to, uh, to sponsees. I stop being of service to my family. And um, this, this for me is really about life and death. Um, I was on the brink of, you know, not a really dark, I was in a dark place when I came in. Let's just leave it at that. And um, this program has given me a life. And it is through continuously um, shedding more and more layers with the help of this book that I'm able to experience freedom and, and give back this gift that I've been given. Um, but yeah, I, do, I, need, I need to take things more seriously now. I need to find a new sponsor. I need to go back to the book. And um, yeah, I look forward to that journey. I live it there. Thanks. Thank you, Kiara. Okay, um, Lynn S., it's your turn, followed by Sandy S. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. I was making my tea while the reading was being read, and I must admit, my ears just about swiveled around in my head when I, when I heard this, by no means do we offer it as the last word on this subject. I thought, wait a second, wait a second, of course it's the last word. This is the only thing. And I'm so glad that I've listened to the shares and I've been able to sit down and look at this because I, I'm meeting with somebody tonight who was in, lost all their weight, they've been out for 10 years, gained it all back, and they're just too busy for OA. They, we've been trying to get together for two months now. But the point is, and this, I must remember this so much, Yes, Lynn S., this is what worked for you. This is the only thing that worked for you. You tried everything else. And, of course, I gravitate to the people who drive that message home as well. But maybe it isn't the way for everybody. Maybe, and me coming on like gangbusters and, and speaking 100 miles an hour and being so hard and ramming it down their throats, as I am wont to do, Perhaps that isn't always the way. Maybe that isn't. And maybe it's true here, you know, when it said, for after all, aren't we looking for results rather than the method? And I meant my, my head spun like the exorcist when I heard that. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, don't you realize this is the only way? And I thought, Lynn, isn't that true? Aren't we looking for the results? Don't we want people to be freed from this terrible disease of mind and body and however they get there is okay even saying it is hard for me because i'm going no no but you, you, this is the way yes lynn s this is the way for you 
this is the way for you. And I must say, and for hundreds of others too, <laughs> millions of others. Anyway, it's a good reminder for me to be careful when I'm speaking to this person tonight because really what I want is them to be released from this terrible obsession of mind and body. And I'm just going to let it pass with that, but I, but I must admit it, it made my head swivel, and, and that's a good thing sometimes. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. And now we'll have Sandy S. Yeah, hi. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina. I think the part that got to me was realization of his condition may come to him, and the man must decide for himself. But if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you. And then your changed attitude plus the contents of the book will turn the trick. I think, you know, the most important thing in helping someone else is where I'm at in my recovery. And one of the things that's really important to me is to tell the truth to myself because often I lie to myself and, and I'm not even aware of it. But I don't have to tell the truth in, or my truth to get the truth. I'll never know it. But I don't have to indiscriminately tell my truth to everyone. You know, I really, that's what I used to do. I used to just blurt out my truth and feel it apply to everyone. You know, now I'm working with a sponsee. Uh, this is my second sponsee. Uh, I've been in the program 44 years, abstinent 42 completely my second sponsee because I was never able to really stop, pause, listen, and say, God, what can I say that would be helpful? And just leave it at that. And I think like the changing person that I'm becoming is really what helps another person. And the main change that I'm really seeking, first inner peace, if I'm not at ease within myself, like, really, what do I have to offer someone else? And the second thing is just to share my message in a way that's helpful to the other person. And I think it's really important that I love and value the other person. I mean, because formally, I was definitely the sledgehammer type on myself and on other people. And I'm really seeing that that's all about the self-centered fear which only God can remove. And I feel as, as I'm changing, as God is changing me, let me say, I am not changing. It's really the sixth and seventh step. As I'm being changed, I think that that's what the most effective thing is in helping another person to see, to experience my power as example of being a loving person to myself, to them, which doesn't mean they walk all over me but I set emotional boundaries in a loving way for them and myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, we have time for two more shares. Who would like to jump in? Nessa R. Nessa R. Linda D. from Connecticut. And Linda D. Okay, great. Go ahead, please, Nessa. We each have Hi, two minutes. thank you. Okay. Um, good morning, vision for you. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, a man has to decide for himself, you know, like has um, been shared before today. Um, you know, when I first recovered, 
almost seven years ago, and I was in a normal body, more importantly, I was no longer fighting the food, neither running away from it nor running to it, you know, in total uh, position of neutrality, you know, safe and protected, I thought, you know, I was going to eradicate compulsive overeating from the face of the earth, one compulsive overeater at a time. And uh, needless to say, I, I haven't succeeded. Um, but what this tells me is I cannot deprive people of the same process that I myself went through, which is, number one, they have to diagnose themselves like I diagnosed myself. I cannot pronounce anybody else a compulsive overeater. I can only pronounce myself a compulsive overeater. And uh, um, somebody is unmuted. Um, and, you know, the big book tells me a, a few methods to do that, you know. Um, you know, said to the nearest Chinese buffet and set myself a big plate and try to stop abruptly. You know, do it a few times and see what happens. Or go to a Chinese buffet and try to predict how much I'm going to eat. Um, there's, there's several ways that I can um, determine whether I am or I'm not the real deal. And I don't need to convince anybody that they are. Um, I only need to be convinced myself that I am. And by the same token, if somebody is convinced that they are a compulsive overeater, it is still not my place to convince them that this program is the solution. It was the solution for me. It still is and it will be for the rest of my life. But they have to determine that themselves, how the same way I did. I tried a million things, uh, and nothing really worked. Things worked for a short term, but nothing worked long term, and I became hopeless. Which time, please. Thank you, which meant I was totally out of ideas and willing to try this. And this is the process everybody else has to go through as well, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Linda D., you'll, you're our last share for two minutes, please. Good morning. It's Linda D. So so very grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, almost five years. If I watch my step, boy, some of this is tricky. The thing that jumps out at me from the readings and from the shares today is I'm off the hook. I no longer have to rescue every single person in my path because I come from a, an addictive family, and that's really the M.O., just rescue people. It isn't my responsibility. I always felt inside it was, and that's, what, frankly, what I've seen in a lot of OA that I've been, I've been in for, like, almost 36 years. It's very refreshing. It's very freeing for me to know not only from my experience but from the experience of others that... People have to be very battered, and it's very, very upsetting and ugly to see, and all I can do is offer what I am and what I've experienced. I honestly believe it's the only way, but they're going to experiment as I did, and God bless them. All I can do is live it and, and let them heal in their own way, and it'll take what it'll take, and Quite frankly, it's sad. A lot of it's sad. But there are people who can respond, and today I'm one of them, and boy, am I grateful. I pass. Thank you so much, Linda. And I want to thank 
uh, Renee A, Esther F, Craig F, Marie J, and Martha D, and then coming up, Devorah S and Rebecca B for helping me with this meeting this morning. Um, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, October 22nd, is 12,080. That's 12080. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marie J. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, thanks. This is Marie J. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of a happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.